You're not the boss of me now, and you're not so big. Welcome to Life is Unfair, the Malcolm in the Middle podcast, where we watch and talk about every episode in chronological order. Today, we're talking about Reese vs. Stevie, which originally aired October 21st, 2005, was directed by Linwood Boomer, and written by Alex Reed and Andy Bobro. Hi, I'm Jake, and do you think I'm needlessly antagonistic? <laughs> yes! <laughs> and I'm David, and this is your one, Eric. <laughs> wow. And I'm Eric, and I blame society. <laughs> okay. Well, before we start getting into the episode, Eric, as our guest, why don't you tell people where they can find more of you? I'm sure they have already heard enough about me, but uh, yeah. This could be their first episode. Yeah, like what you know, psychopath? Statistically speaking, Eric, this is somebody's first episode. Oh, you shut your foul mouth. Uh, yes, uh, <laughs> under entertainment podcast where our shtick as we go in alphabetical order with stuff. This last season was music. The first season was movies. Jake and David have been guests in multiple episodes across both seasons, so a lot of fun stuff there. I'm also uh, the co-host of the Evil Mark Show. The typical college football edition which comes out on thursdays but uh in between seasons we do all sports so uh, we also have some pop culture stuff in there as well so lots of fun for uh fans of the sports ball but before we get into this week's episode we have our community segment as we have some poll results and an email to look at david yeah as we have some poll results looking back on the season premiere Burning Man. Yeah, we do. I'm sure. Which, uh, for that episode, we all chose Dewey as least shitty, as we felt sorry for him for having a shitty vacation. Quite literally. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, in every way possible. And the internet agreed with us. Dewey won with 54% of the vote with Malcolm getting 27%, and both Reese and Jamie getting a single outlier. Okay. Then, for shittiest kid, Eric chose Reese for destroying the RV, uh, while you chose Malcolm for his foot fetish, <laughs> and yeah. I chose Jamie for his judgmental looks at Lois throughout the episode. In uh, Jamie's first instance of getting a shittiest skin award. And the internet agreed with me. <laughs> Jamie won with 63% of the vote, with Reese and Malcolm getting 18% each, and Dewey being the only one not to get any votes. That makes sense. And we got a couple of replies on that one. Luke says, Jamie, 1,000%. <laughs> <laughs> right because his judgy looks god jesus have some kids and then you'll understand that's just their face if they're being judgy no oh my god <laughs> joe balls put in a write-in vote for francis <laughs> really really <laughs> and uh gunkioni made fun of a typo i guess because <laughs> yeah instead of Eric choosing Reese for destroying the RV. I put Eric uh, d uh, was chosen for destroying a TV. <laughs> and uh, he said uh, if Reese had uh, all that character growth and then only destroyed a TV he'd have been least shitty for sure. That's fair. 
That's fair. He's probably right. <laughs> and we also have an email from Luke, which they, they have titled Season 6 Wrap Wrap Up, then end parentheses, plus two and a half men versus home improvement. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and uh, he once again uh, weighed in with his thoughts on Season 6, as he did with our uh, Season 5 Wrap Up, and... Uh, he says, thoughts and rankings, uh, season six is not bad, it's much better than season five, the only season I strongly dislike. It's inconsistent with some episodes being spectacular and others being bland and boring, and he, uh, ranks it right above season five as his next to last. And he also, uh, gave us his top three episodes, uh, which were Pearl Harbor, Reese Comes Home, and Billboard which uh, are all great episodes. And then he says, uh, and now for something completely different. I am not a fan of either Home Improvement or Two and a Half Men. However, I find Two and a Half Men to be much worse than Home Improvement. Home Improvement manages to get actual laughs out of me once in a blue moon, even if I'm just laughing at how stupid a joke is. I have yeah. never laughed out loud watching Two and a Half Men ever. <laughs> then... He gets into some very specific math, saying, I smile approximately one to two times per five episodes on average, but have never last once. Yes, I did the math. David and I seem to constantly disagree on Malcolm in the Middle stuff, but always agree on things unrelated to that topic. <laughs> What's up with that? What is up with that, Luke? <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's just because it's my first watch through. Maybe maybe we agree more on my second watch. I don't know. Maybe. I did uh, reply to him and ask, did you force yourself to watch five episodes of Two and a Half Men just to get this math? And he said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I sacrificed my sanity for science and forced myself to sit through five episodes. Uh, oh my god, why? <laughs> I mean... Fair, I guess. Thank you, Luke. <laughs> that is fantastic. Oh, that's funny. That's some straight Jake energy there, and I'm here for it. It really is. <laughs> but uh, that wraps up our community segment. Let's get into this week's episode. And Eric, why did you choose this episode to come on? Ah, uh, I think it's better revealed at the end, I think. Yeah, because if I give the reasoning now, okay. I think, um, yeah, I just, I don't want to say too much because I don't want you guys to, to be needlessly antagonistic right off the, right off the bat, so. <laughs> We're gonna be. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a show if, <laughs> if you weren't, but just saying, like, <laughs> oh yeah we do this for show all right well let's get into this episode then and of course it starts with a cold open uh this one centers on lois as she is uh arriving home from a trip to the grocery store and she is listening to a book on tape and specifically, it's like a true crime murder mystery style thing. And as she's like about to get out of the car, she gets like caught up in listening to it. And then it like flashes forward 
as the sun has gone down and she's still sitting in the car eating salsa off of her credit card. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and right as it is about to uh, reveal who the murderer is, uh, the narrator's voice cuts out and is replaced by Reese, who is recorded over her tape <laughs> and says that... Uh, uh, he turns around and sees a stupid housewife who wouldn't let her son buy nunchucks, even though they're perfectly safe. <laughs> I, I love that that he went through uh, all the effort of actually, you know, knowing how invested she was going to be in this Vakat tape to want to know who the, the culprit was. So he had to listen to it. So ostensibly he knows who the culprit is and knew exactly where to cut and to record over. I love how, you know, every once in a while, Reese just has these flashes of brilliance, and this is one of them. Always You're done for wrong. evil, but... Yeah. <laughs> of course. Vengeance is petty, and so is Reese. <laughs> and getting into the episode proper, we have three plot lines to cover, and we will start with... Uh, the least substantial one, the lowest centered plot line. Uh, what do you think David named this, Eric? I think that this is the Ra plot, or R-A-H, and it, it has dual meanings. It's either round off and hubris, or rambling all hours, with the double meaning of, like, you know, it was the, all about the cheerleading stuff. So Ra, so Ra for cheerleading... Round off in hubris or rambling all hours. Okay. I'll just go ahead and pat myself on the back for that one. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with the taut plot line, which also has two meanings, as it, uh, you know, clearly would apply to Jamie, who, who is a little taut here. And it stands for Train of Thought, <laughs> which is what Lois is rambling off through the entire episode. Very good. What did you go with, David? Not those. <laughs> <laughs> this is the double D plot for Dear Diary. <laughs> also, because the double entendre, because she was obsessed with uh -huh. her bus line. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. I know. <laughs> I thought it was very clever. Fuck you. <laughs> it was. We're just sad that you didn't use ours or think that ours was clever. Yours were. That's why I was laughing so much before saying mine. You guys just, you went too complicated with it. Sometimes you just, a name's just got to come from the heart. <laughs> or at least the chest. <laughs> Walk <a> lot. <laughs> uh, Shoot me now. I need to leave. <laughs> No, you need to stay here and think about what you did. We're going to leave. <laughs> I agree with this plan. <laughs> All right, solo podcast. Got it. <laughs> no, you're not one of the hosts of uh, Life is Unfair. Turns out. <laughs> Just stating facts or things that I heard. <laughs> he walked away. <laughs> it took even less time to break him than I expected. <laughs> We're less than eight minutes in, and he's already he's already walked away. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Eric, it looks like you're now the permanent co-host of <laughs> Life is Unfair. 
Oh, I got bumped up to co-host already? David's not even that. Well, you're replacing David, so you're assistant to the host. Okay, gotcha. so I believe the official title I came down on <laughs> last time I was on your show. Fair enough. I want to point something out here. <laughs> oh, he's back. Welcome back in. I come on this show, right, with very minimal preparation, just bringing my raw talent and and the little bit of work that I did to prepare for this. Uh, whereas Jake, you watch the show multiple times, make copious amounts of notes, create timelines, edit and post this show. Correct? Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. So uh, if anything, I'm the fucking star. Because if any <laughs> one of our behaviors sounds like movie star, all right, it's definitely mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the talent. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I love, dude. When I get a shit on myself and Jake at the same time, it just makes me so happy. <laughs> a double insult. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Getting into this plot line. Uh, it starts with Lois trying to get Jamie to say his first word. Uh, by, like, pointing to things and saying what they are. And uh, Jamie is just, like, staring at her, not responding at all. And when Hal comes into the room, uh, Lois asks him if Jamie has said anything to you. And Hal immediately says, whatever he said, it's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't seen anything. <laughs> And uh, Lois uh, questions, you know, what are you talking about? And Hal says, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, <man>. And <laughs> Lois tells him that she's worried because Jamie is however old he is and he still hasn't said his first words. <laughs> that kind of terrifies great. me. <laughs> like... I know exactly how old both of my kids are, and I'm the dad. I'm the one who's not supposed to know shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, but you've only got two to keep track of, David. Yeah, I mean, true, because I'm not a mad person. <laughs> and Hal like reassures her, saying that you know, kids uh, grow at their own pace. And by the time he was in sixth grade, he had a full beard, but he still couldn't tie his shoes properly. <laughs> <laughs> and he, like, uh, walks away, leaving behind a very confused-looking Lois. <laughs> there was a lot of confusing things in that conversation, so <laughs> it checks out. <laughs> That's fair. Then the next time we come to this plot line, Lois is bringing Jamie in from a doctor's appointment, saying that the doctor found no medical reason why he can't talk, uh, so he needs to get to it. And uh, the doctor said that the best method to get him to talk is to uh, talk to and around him more, so she's going to start narrating everything that she does with him. Which uh, she, like, starts doing as she, like, uh, starts, uh, like, opening the cupboard. She's, you know, narrating that she's doing that. And uh, she's telling Jamie that she's going to start setting things up for dinner. Which the rest of the family will eat in ten seconds. And then 
run away, leaving her with the dishes, and that immediately, like, spirals out into her, you know, uh, then ending the night, scrubbing the bathroom, and then repeating it all the next day, and then doing that over and over for the next 30 years until she dies. <laughs> and with her luck, probably past that. <laughs> and uh, that, like, uh, starts her, uh, like, progressing into just sort of stream of thought slash, like, treating Jamie like he's her counselor throughout the episode. <laughs> As, uh, the next time we see them, Lois is telling Jamie about how she spends so much time and effort on her hair and how she is so neurotic about it and she doesn't know why. As she's, like, getting ready to leave off for work. Then this, uh, continues as we then see her, like, laying on the couch while Jamie is, like, setting up the table coloring. And she is telling him all about uh, how when she was going through puberty, when she was 13, uh, she was, like, jealous of all the other girls uh, because she was flat-chested and she started uh, stuffing her bra just to feel like she wasn't an ugly, weird girl. And she's, like, fully crying by this point and Jamie, like, throws the Kleenex to her. <laughs> Then, when Malcolm and Reese come in, uh, she pretends to, uh, be upset with them about a pillowcase that stayed, like, holding it up over her face, <laughs> clearly to hide her tears from Malcolm and Reese, as she knows that she can't show any signs of weakness in front of them. Right. <laughs> then, uh, we come back to this plot line, and... Lois is telling Jamie about the dream that she had, which is apparently a recurring dream for her. Uh, which is also like a memory of her tryouts from when she was trying to get on the cheerleading squad. And she talks about how, you know, she spent all this time getting ready for it, you know, making sure her makeup and hair was perfect and borrowing her uh, sister's sweater. Then she went through the routine, and she, like, did it perfectly. Like, every, you know, uh, move, uh, like, like, went flawlessly, and she ended it with a big flip, which she landed and then threw her hands up. But instead of cheering for her, everyone laughed. Because there was a trail of toilet paper 30 feet long <laughs> across the tumbling mat. <laughs> And she, like, looks in the mirror and starts to have a meltdown as she says the, the worst part is that she hasn't changed. She's still just as vain as she was then. And she, like, takes a pair of scissors and is, like, holding herself hostage <laughs> as she's, like, <laughs> staring at herself in the mirror with these scissors ready to cut her hair saying that, uh, you know, she should just cut it now and face these issues head on. And uh, she gets, like, sidetracked as the uh, phone rings, like, temporarily distracting her from, like, threatening herself to cut her hair. <laughs> and then it uh, cuts back to her after we find out that she has been locked in the room with Jamie all day. <laughs> and she is still in the same position, still, like, about to cut her own hair as she's talking uh, to Jamie, but much more so to herself. 
about how the only way to move past all all that laughter 30 years ago uh, is to do it. It's the only way to quiet the laughter and the sound of her mother showing up at the nurse's uh, office telling her that if she would stop being lazy and grow her breasts herself, then she wouldn't have to stuff her bra every day. <laughs> and that's when Lois, like, realizes that uh, she wasn't stuffing her bra every day, that Ida was doing it. And that her problem isn't vanity. Uh, her problem is her horrible, abusive mother. <laughs> <laughs> and she, like, puts the scissors down and turns to Jamie and tells him that, you know, she's gonna be a better mother to him. That if he's not ready to talk, then she's not going to make him. And as she leaves the room, like, walking away, as soon as she's gone, Jamie says his first words, which are, <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> you know, all things considered, fair. <laughs> which, uh, if I remember correctly, I think they say that that, that was Francis' first yep. words as well. <laughs> they sure do, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the cycle is complete <laughs> I mean they did already establish that they're like using the exact same like methods to raise Jamie as they did Francis so mm -hmm. yeah exactly <laughs> but it's not their fault Jake just ask them clearly <laughs> <laughs> but that wraps up that plot line so we'll go to the other a uh, sort of side plot, which centers around Hal and Dewey. What do you think David named this one? <laughs> this is the FPS plot for free pass smoking. Okay, okay. See, I'm worried about this one. Because I know because of what David does for work, he's he's going to know a lot of, like, terminology specifically for, like, addiction treatment. <laughs> So I feel like it's going to be something along those lines. And I don't know any of those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say this is the CBR plot for community-based rehabilitation. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but no. Also, I did have a, uh, a, a sort of funny work-related name associated with this, but I was like, nah, Jake will probably guess that, so, <laughs> so I, uh, I then changed it. So this was originally going to be the OF plotline, um, and for all of you horny kids on the internet, no, it's not OnlyFans. Uh, <laughs> it's oral fixation is what it was going to be. However... I changed it because I was trying to give you guys like a rope here, a, a lifeline. I was try I switched it to the CT plotline for cold turkey. Ah, <laughs> that's a good one. I thought for sure Eric was gonna get that one. Not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> I like when I make it simple. You guys struggle more than when it's. <laughs> Look, so this is the exact sort of plot I'd expect you not to. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, but this plot line starts with Hal going out to the garage to glue a picture frame together. And as he's, like, stepping in, he, 
Lad like sniffs and smells something burning and looks down to find a lit cigarette. And he immediately rolls his eyes and calls for Reese to step out. You've been caught. <laughs> but it's not Reese who uh, steps out. It is Dewey. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> and he, like, gives Dewey a lecture about, you know, how unhealthy and hard to quit smoking is. Saying, you know, took him forever to quit uh, when he did. And... Uh, asking Dewey, do you think you'll look cool when you're breathing through a hole in your neck? <laughs> Which Dewey just like looks very excited as he says, you can breathe through a hole in your neck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that backfired a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, he asks, uh, where did you even get cigarettes? And Dewey says that he found a bunch of cartons in the shop vac. <laughs> and Hal realizes that this was his old stash from when he quit smoking 10 years ago. And uh, he lets slip uh, as uh, they're talking about this after he you know, threatens to tell Lois. Uh, and Dewey begs him not to, saying uh, she'll kill me. Then uh, when it's revealed that it was in fact Hal's stash of cigarettes he found, he starts to say, if Lois finds out, she'll... And then that prompts him to offer Dewey uh, his one-time free pass. And he explains that he's given all the boys exactly one free pass where he doesn't tell Lois about what he caught them doing. <laughs> Montage time! <laughs> That's right, for the third episode in a row. <laughs> We're back to season one levels of montages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, as we go through each of the boys uh, getting their, you know, one free pass. And it starts with Francis, who is handcuffed to a stripper pole in a strip club. <laughs> and Alice, like, apologizing to a stripper who's, like, standing there. As Francis gives her, like, a giant wad of cash. <laughs> 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 that song that he was in love with a stripper and he's you know gotta go try it out <laughs> I, I don't think the timeline quite matches up with that David <laughs> don't worry about it listen <laughs> if Eric's bullshit about Francis can be true then so can Francis being a time traveling wizard who listens to music or something I don't know <laughs> listen whoa, I don't whoa, whoa. care I'm not trying hard here like <laughs> <laughs> that's impossible David that's Hal's job <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's where he got it. Hal accidentally brought an MP3 player back. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> then uh, we go to Reese's Free Pass, which it's it's definitely the least clear what has happened in that one. <laughs> as you just see like the back of Reese's head and then like sticking straight up next to his head, like presumably Reese's feet in skates. <laughs> I took it to be like there was uh, an animal, like a like a sheep or a cow of some sort that like it was because it was like four it looked like there was four legs sticking straight up with skates on it and hell shaking his head like how are we gonna get rid of this without lois finding out that would make more sense i feel like i need to rewatch that scene now i, I definitely only, only saw two i took it as like reese broke his legs and that's why they're like standing up like perfectly straight I also thought that, Jake, and, like, because didn't they make mention in 
roller skating king uh episode where like i don't remember the name of the episode it's just roller skates okay listen it has a new name anyways <laughs> i thought for sure they mentioned something about like reese was essentially just like do whatever he says or, or implied that like his experience learning from hal was awful yeah yeah no both both he and francis like both like refuse to talk about what happened okay yeah 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 <laughs> and just tell malcolm to like do what he says so yeah i took that as that was you know his his uh time learning how to roller skate that would make sense but i mean that would be an awful hard thing to keep from lois if he had like broken his legs to where he would be like you know compound fractured to his legs were straight up in the air so i i mean that's fair but we did just watch how hide our like leg that was so broken his like foot was facing the wrong way in the previous episode also true that and then true. And, and, <laughs> like in the very next scene too like uh both his and malcolm's hair is burned off with a, a chemical explosion yes. so that would be difficult to hide as well so i mean i guess it's it's possible but i think yeah urge you to take a look at that scene again because i believe you can see four legs sticking up that is very possible i will re-watch it and possibly insert a future Jake clip here. Future Jake here. I just rewatched the scene, and Eric is right. While we don't see four skates, we do see three, and it seems to be implying that these skates are strapped to some poor, poor animal. Back to you, past Jake. Thanks, future Jake, unless I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> In which case, we can all say, isn't Jake crazy? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that stands either way. Then, <laughs> uh, back in the present day, Hal takes Dewey off to sign some paperwork. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you gotta make sure that the free pass is legally binding. Exactly. Then, Hal catches Dewey smoking again as he's taking the trash out and he notices smoke coming out from the crawl space under the house. The, like, same one that uh, the dog ate Ida's leg under. <laughs> and he, like, calls Dewey out and is, like, lecturing him again, saying, you know, I can't believe you're smoking again after uh, the conversation we had last week. And Dewey tells him that he's been cutting back. <laughs> and when Hal asks, what do you mean cutting back? How many cigarettes a day are you smoking? And Dewey reveals that he's under two packs a day now. <laughs> Dude, I legit worked with a lady who was like that. Like, that would have been cutting back for her, like, a lot. And it's, I don't understand how people can do it, man. Like, Yeah, I don't either. I, I smoked mean, for a... I used to smoke also, and I was like, like, well, me and my wife, we would go through two packs between the two of us like we were almost a pack a day habit ourselves but it's like right and that was like a lot and you know i but yeah i've heard horror stories about you know the the company that i work for like way back in the day like in the 70s where you could smoke everywhere like you could smoke in hospitals for fuck's sake but like th this guy was uh an engineer and he would just sit there chain smoking he would literally light the next one with the previous one like he would never not have a cigarette in his hands so much so that his fingers were just completely yellowed from all the tar and nicotine and everything. It's just like, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I worked with a gal that I had to ride in a car with for two weeks who would pick up a carton every other day because she would smoke in an eight hour shift anywhere from two to four packs. Wow. 
Yeah, and this is down south, and we're not making great money, so, like, she's not smoking, like, Marlboros or Camels or any of the high-class cigarettes. This is, like, spirit cigarettes or, like, generic, you know, Western Frontier or whatever stupid brand comes along and is just the the crappy tobacco from other companies. Well, I don't know how people do it now. I mean, not only from like just a health standpoint, I mean, like I'm now one of those typical ex smokers that just like finds it completely disgusting. You know, it's like, as soon as I smell it, I almost start to retch, but it's like from a money standpoint, I mean, they, they used to be like three bucks a pack and now they're like close to 10, like where we're, yep. <laughs> where we're living. I don't know how people <laughs> can just afford to do it. It's crazy to Two me. jobs, Eric. Two jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep the dream alive. Right? The dream uh, like of my, an my early My both <laughs> smoked, like, throughout my entire childhood. And, like, they, they did, like, the, like, hand-rolled cigarettes for a long time because it was so expensive. And they were both, like, multiple packs a day, like, eat smokers. My dad still is. But, Yikes. uh... Yeah, not great. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought Dewey said that he significantly cut back, and now he's under two packs a day. So he used to be, like, well over two. <laughs> yeah, he, he clearly, like, immediately went all in and became just, like, a chain smoker. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, I mean, to the, the like, point of, of my parents, like, I think my dad has been smoking, like, that much since he was, like, ten. Wow. Like, <laughs> That's... But, uh... Holy cow. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, like, both of his parents were the exact same way, like, their entire lives from childhood on. Like, uh, it was just a thing that everyone did back then. <laughs> like, back then and, like, within, like, rural Kentucky and Ohio. <laughs> like, between those two factors, like, it wasn't even like a, oh, no, the kids smoke anything. I was like, oh, yeah, that, that's what everyone does. Yeah. It's like, it's about time. <laughs> I yeah. <laughs> I uh, have met many a people in my time down south that, yeah, they've been smoking. It's kind of like the, the like Western equivalent of like, here, try your first sip of beer with me uh, is essentially the Southern, here, have a cigarette thing. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's crazy. But... Yep. For sure. But uh, getting back to this plot line. When Hal asks, uh, you know, how that's even possible, uh, I threw those cigarettes away, where are you even getting them? <laughs> he says that, well, you got rid of that stash, but uh, that there was another stash in the crawl space, and the rain gutters, and under the ivy. But there are thousands of packs of cigarettes hid around the house. And uh, Hal explains that, like, when he was quitting, that it, like, comforted him to know that they were there. And that was, like, part of his quitting process. That's why he has hid so many cigarettes in so many places around the house. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> to Eric's point about how expensive they are, Dewey gets upset about all of these wasted cigarettes, saying, Do you know how expensive that is? I could have gone to private school. <laughs> <laughs> it's not wrong. No, no, he's not. And Dewey uh, tells him that, you know, he's upset that he's still doing this, that, you know, he 
can't stop smoking these even though they smell and taste so terrible. Which uh, Hal tells him, well yeah, you're smoking 10 year old stale cigarettes, you're not getting the full flavor of... And then like cuts himself off as he realizes what he's doing. <laughs> they reach an agreement as... Hal says that he will go through the quitting process with him, as he will quit drinking coffee, if Dewey will quit smoking, so that they can, you know, talk to each other and relate to each other and sort of lean on each other uh, for support as they both quit these habits. Well, it's like Hal reveals that he drinks three pots of coffee a day. Like, I'm, I'm not a coffee drinker, so I don't know if that's... A lot. I assume that it is. That's about. That's about Jake levels of coffee. Three pots. Uh, of coffee? Yeah, three pots of coffee is like uh, a day where I drink a little more than usual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I used to do, dude. I used to do two pots a day. Yeah, that, that, that's about my norm. Is two pots. Yep. <laughs> and how many cups is a a pot typically? Well, twelve cups is what ours is, which is like the standard. Which is like three cups because we use oversized mugs. Because well, gotta, yeah, yeah, you got like actual the, like yeah. cup measurements. It's twelve cups. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It well, but like, what's the standard like coffee mug? How much fits in that? Um, I I don't know what the size of a standard coffee cup is. What is like, standard? Yeah. Well, like the prototypical, you know, office style. I think kind of that's like cup. one cup for a normal size mug. But I think so, like, yeah. okay, so you know, so that would be so a pot is twelve. So you're, yeah, so twenty four yeah. of those. Twenty four cups of coffee, <laughs> and it, well, yeah. so he's drinking thirty six cups of coffee <laughs> a day. Yeah, yeah. Wow, because you need That's them in normal, the morning, Eric. <laughs> I don't have a problem. Shut up. <laughs> you need them at. The... <laughs> wow. <laughs> now I don't do that anymore, but I used to. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, to me that's almost as bad as to not from a health standpoint obviously but, but i mean just like from a time wise like from the, the the process of drinking it refilling it urinating it out re, like whatever that's almost as much time as smoking two packs of cigarettes a day like that's a that's a huge time investment that you nah. <laughs> i mean other than the peen that's not too bad. It doesn't take too long to refill a mug or to, like, even make a new pot of coffee. I mean, but then, okay, like, I, I guess if you're just drinking it black, like, no sugar, no creamer, no whatever. But, I mean, if you're going through all, like, the accoutrement stuff, I mean, that's, like, I, do you put stuff in it? Like, each Sometimes. I uh, never sugar. I sometimes put creamer in. Usually about half the time. So t tw that's not that. So bad. twelve of those cups of coffee have creamer. <laughs> that's uh huh. The, uh, all right. So like a a, a Starbucks. I'm sorry that we're Eric, just getting Eric. going off on a tangent. Eric. Here. Yes. Eric. <laughs> Eric. Yes. It's just coffee, man. Let it go. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just trying to understand. I don't like. I this is not a world that I tread in. So so like a a Starbucks. Like when someone goes and gets like a a venti or whatever that you know whatever it is like how many cups is that equivalent to do you know uh i think it's... their biggest size is the equivalent of like a cup and a half or two cups well a venti i mean venti means 20 
Yeah, but they do. Starbucks does things stupid, which is like. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> it means 20. And then they got a grande, which is large. And then they got a tall, which also means large. So all of their coffees are large, except for the venti, which is why you order the venti, because then you're not ordering a large, so you don't have a problem. Because <laughs> venti is the only one that doesn't mean large. Uh, also, <laughs> to, to uh, further <laughs> confound you, Eric, when I was in college, I used to walk down to the coffee shop that, that I would, like, get my coffee from if I wanted, like, good coffee. Mm-hmm. And I would always buy two of their largest size so that I had one to drink on my way back to the college and then one to drink in class. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, that's If just, I ever accidentally buy extra coffees, I just give them to Jake. <laughs> because even, even if they are coffee that Jake does not like, Jake will drink the coffee because at least it's coffee. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everyone's got their vices i guess i mean there's certainly could, like much more unhealthy things than coffee yeah it's wow <laughs> that's a lot <laughs> no it's like what i've always kind of wondered i've always been floored when i heard that line like three pots a day and then he talks about drinking it in the shower okay so do you drink it in the shower I've never drank coffee. Okay. That would put way too much water in your coffee. <laughs> I mean, that and being naked with a hot cup of coffee <laughs> are both <laughs> just not great ideas. Wow. Listen, one of those is just, you got to live dangerously, Jake. No, not. <laughs> not that dangerous. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry that would, we completely went off the rails there. I'm, I'm ready to let this go. <laughs> Okay. I I feel like that baffled you more than most people. <laughs> I just I I be, I think most people have some comprehension about coffee. It's just like I've never really liked it. Like I think the my you dad were in the military. Yeah, my but like early on, like my dad tried to get me to drink coffee and it like just like made me violently ill. And so just like I've always avoided it. Like I've never uh. I it's like I think one time I had like one of the, like the Starbucks uh like the jarred frappuccinos or whatever like with like some vanilla something uh -huh. or whatever it's like the flavor was good but it wasn't like really coffee it was just basically sugar water and someone was just like yeah. yeah this wasn't bad but i you know it made my teeth hurt i couldn't see myself drinking this all the time and it's just like every time anyone would like offer me coffee i'm just like don't want to be sick so no thanks <laughs> fair enough <laughs> I like the smell I, of coffee, but I just like, yeah, I, that's... I think I might have been sense. disowned if I couldn't have drank coffee. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I have one brother that doesn't drink coffee. Like, they're at, the rest of my family, like, with, with the exception of one brother and my mom are all, like, drink coffee to, like, close to the same level that I do. <laughs> like, if we get together for, like, board games or cards, there's, like, a constant, like, pot of coffee, like, being brewed. <laughs> because the second it is, like, it, it's gone and the next one needs to be started. <laughs> <laughs> i could just imagine like an entire like wall like the, all the counter space is just nothing but like banks of coffee makers just going constantly we have two coffee pots in our house for that exact reason we sure do <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> oh boy okay i'm sorry i said i was done and then we talked about it some more so i'm, I'm really done <laughs> <laughs> okay well <laughs> Getting away from that coffee tangent. <laughs> I have to find my spot again. It's been so long, Eric. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> My apologies. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> he says that that way they're, they're going to both quit cold turkey, so they're both suffering and knowing each other is kind of going through. So Yes, then uh, Dewey, like... Uh, ask Hal if he can have uh, one more just to get it out of his system. <laughs> but uh, Hal refuses and, like, guides him inside as they've both resolved to quit cold turkey. Which we then see them both struggling with the next morning as Hal is just, like, crouched over the coffee pot sniffing it. <laughs> and Dewey is just, like putting, like, stick after stick of gum into his mouth. <laughs> and when Hal tells him to, like, slow down with the gum, you haven't even had breakfast yet, Dewey says, well, if you'd bought me the nicotine gum like I asked. Then <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lois comes out and, like, gives them a, like, look of confusion as she's going through on her way to work. And Dewey has a coughing fit. <laughs> which Hal tells her is just puberty, you know, when a boy's lungs drop. <laughs> he says that that's how it happens for all the boys in his family. The hacking cough, the dark circles under the eyes, the yellowed fingers. <laughs> uh... <laughs> oh, that's good thinking on his feet. It's especially funny knowing Lois is also a smoker. So, yeah. so like, he's pretty clearly smelling it out for her. <laughs> then uh, we see Dewey in the middle of the night as he's, like, squirming in bed and gets up and goes out to the garage and opens up a flashlight, which uh, has a cigarette and a lighter in it. <laughs> a secret stash. <laughs> When he flicks the lighter on, Hal is standing right behind him, illuminated by the light, and asks Dewey what he's doing out here. <laughs> and he tells Dewey that he's ashamed of him for cracking under the pressure and coming out here to break their agreement like this. And as soon as he talk stops talking, the distinct gurgling sound of a coffee pot can be heard. <laughs> And Dewey asks, what was that? And Hal tries to play it off saying, what was what? But <laughs> Dewey, like, uh, lights the lighter again and sees that there is a coffee pot in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> and Hal says, okay, fine. So we're both pathetic. <laughs> and Dewey says that on his way uh, home from school today, he almost took a cigarette butt out of the gutter to smoke. Which uh, I've seen many people do, especially when I was in high school. <laughs> and it's always so gross. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it's gross. That's it. uh, I don't understand people, man. Then uh, Hal says that uh, he French kissed Lois this morning just to lick the coffee off of her teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, Hal says that, you know, they just need to find something to do whenever these cravings happen to distract them uh, from, you know, the, this thing that they want but can't have. And they go out into the backyard and in the middle of the night start playing catch, which <laughs> wakes Lois up and she, like, comes out and finds them both, like, very aggressively throwing the ball back and forth. <laughs> Uh, we're having fun. <laughs> and, 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> <sighs> then, in the uh, scene I mentioned where Lois is like momentarily distracted by the phone ringing, we see Dewey can't answer the phone because he is once again just shoving as much gum as physically possible into his mouth. <laughs> And she then, like, pulls out, like, a burrito-sized just glob of chewed gum from his mouth. Which looks so gross. So gross. I love how he's, like, wiping his brow, too. Like, it was, like, it was an effort. And he's, like, gasping as if it's, like, not only from, like, being out of breath from smoking, but also that it was, like, it was an ordeal to get all that gum out of his face. I mean, it would be. Yeah. <laughs> and Hal comes in and he tells Dewey that, you know, he thinks they're past the hump, that the worst is behind them, that, uh, you know, it's still hard, but he's feeling great. <laughs> and he, like, reassures Dewey that, you know, they're both doing it. And uh, Hal goes outside and pulls a cigarette out of, like, the... Uh, like little lantern thing around the outdoor light. The porch light. And uh, starts smoking. And of course, Dewey pretty much immediately catches him <laughs> and asks uh, what he's doing. And uh, Hal says that he's not, he's not quitting smoking. He's quitting coffee. You're quitting smoking. <laughs> That's and, not fair. And Dewey tells him that he can't do that. Which Hal says, I'm an adult. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> and Dewey says, fine, you'll want to play it that way. And walks back into the kitchen. <laughs> and Hal, like, runs around the house to look through the kitchen window as Dewey pours himself a cup of coffee and starts drinking it in front of Hal. <laughs> and they, like, are staring at each other. While Dewey is, like, taking bigger and bigger drinks of the coffee and taunting Hal. And Hal is smoking his cigarette in front of Dewey and taunting him. <laughs> and, of course, Lois walks out and catches them. And Hal, like, tries to throw Dewey under the bus saying, Dewey's drinking coffee. <laughs> she yells at him for smoking. <laughs> Then the last little bit we get of this plot line is uh, Hal is cleaning out all of his stashes of cigarettes from around the house. Putting them in the trash, which he like opens up a vent in the kitchen and there's just like a giant pile <laughs> that falls out. Yeah, it's easily like a hundred cigarettes more. <laughs> yes. And Malcolm turns to camera and explains that Lois told him to clean out all of his hiding spots and tomorrow she's going to search the house and make him eat any cigarettes that she, she <laughs> finds. So he's pretty motivated. <laughs> yeah. And it's Lois too, so you know she'd do it. That's one thing that would be oh, worse absolutely. than smoking them would be having to eat them. <laughs> oh, yeah, especially stale cigarettes. Oh. <laughs> Dude, that kind of makes me sick just that. <laughs> right? Fair. And that wraps up this plot line, leaving only the titular plot line, which centers around Malcolm, Reese, and Stevie. What do you think David named this one? This is the EAK plot for Einstein Ass Kicker. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think he named this. 
the ES plot for Exoskeleton. <laughs> it's a good one. This is where I make Jake mad. <laughs> this is a reference that probably only Jake will get. And it's from another show. <laughs> it's the KP plotline for Kick Puncher. He can punch with the force of kicks. Okay. Okay, I'll allow it. <laughs> I was going to make an obvious, like, Terminator joke at first, but I was like, nah. That's fair. There, there's a lot of references you could have made for there, the end of this episode. There are. There's so many. And, like, I almost went with a RoboCop reference for a minute, but I was like, that doesn't really fit as well. And then when he started punching him, I was like, oh, it, yeah, it's, it's perfect. <laughs> well, we'll get there. But this plotline starts with Stevie and Malcolm uh, in the boys' room doing their homework uh, with Malcolm at his desk and Stevie at Reese's desk. And Abe brings Stevie his backup inhaler that he left at home. And uh, he asks Malcolm if Stevie told him the big news. And when Malcolm uh, hasn't heard, he tells him that Stevie has been uh, selected as a test subject for a uh, new program. And Abe is, like, very excited about it, saying that it's the biggest thing to happen to their family since they put Stevie's stomach on the inside. He says that uh, this Christmas might be their first family ski trip. And Stevie is, like, much more uh, subdued about this, uh experimental program and Abe like tells them that uh after they go to their first meeting they're uh, gonna go look at some snowboards and when Stevie says dad he says I just said look at <laughs> and he leaves them to their studying which is interrupted as Reese comes in and walks over to his desk that Stevie is at says my desk and immediately sweeps all of Stevie's stuff off of it and he then, like, leans down in front of Stevie and starts telling him that, you know, there's such a thing as manners, and when you're a guest in someone's home, and he's interrupted as Stevie, like, sprays him in the eyes with his backup inhaler. And Reese, like, uh, pulls his fist back as he's, like, you know, about to punch Stevie, but contains himself. And says that it's not fair that he can't hit Stevie just because he's in a wheelchair. Because Stevie hits him. <laughs> and uh, calls him names and uh, is terrible to him all the time. And he can't do anything about it. And that's where Eric's intro line comes from. As Stevie says, I blame society. <laughs> <laughs> then Reese, like, very hesitantly apologizes to Stevie and starts helping him pick all of the papers up. And as he does, Malcolm is called out of the room by Lois, who uh, wants Malcolm to get his dirty socks off the kitchen table. And as soon as Malcolm leaves the room, Stevie, or, uh, Reese looks at Stevie and says, You know what? I'm gonna do it anyway. I'm gonna kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> And he tells Stevie to meet him uh, after school on Friday. And he tells him that uh, he's going to kick his ass so hard his wheelchair is going to need a wheelchair. <laughs> uh, which is a classic bully tagline. <laughs> <laughs> and he leaves Stevie to think about it. To picture it. 
to dream about it like I will be. <laughs> <laughs> then the next time we come to this plot line, Malcolm and Stevie are playing a board game. Which what board game? Both is? David and I spent way too long <laughs> trying to figure out what the board game was. We sure did. How long? Way, as long as we talk about coffee. Too long. Longer. <laughs> That's a long time. Yeah, I think we both spent like half an hour after watching it tonight, <laughs> and I also spent about half an hour when I watched the episode the first time this morning, <laughs> like pausing scenes and like trying to like. See, watching it over and over to, like, see if I could figure out what the name of the board game is. Because it's very clearly on the board and on the box that's in the background, but it's, like, too blurry to actually read. Hmm. And, uh, the Malcolm in the Middle wiki has it labeled as Conquer, which is an actual board game that looks nothing like this, so it's not that. And is slightly different than the fake version of Risk the family played previously. Yes. So, uh... Well... And and I had a theory, which is at least partially correct, because my theory was that they were using what at first appeared to be the 40th anniversary uh, risk board for their board, but that is incorrect. But their pieces are hodgepodge pieces from other things, including just some straight up plastic army men, and <laughs> they do have the blue cannons uh, which were introduced when Risk originally switched over back to the pieces from the Roman numerals. Um, and I had the year wrote down in my notes, but I accidentally deleted it um, while messing around with my kid who got upset shortly after the episode. So I don't have the year. I, I'd have to go research that again. But yes, so there are Risk pieces, but it is not a Risk board and then there are just straight-up plastic army men on the board. <laughs> Malcolm asks Stevie what he's doing in their game because he just had uh, Hitler invade... Uh, Miami. Uh, not Miami. Malibu. Uh, Malibu, yes. Oh, was it Malibu? Okay. He, th he then asks uh, why Stevie has been so distracted today. And uh, before he can answer, Reese walks in... And uh, Malcolm asks how it went with the principal, and Reese said it went great. He loves when, the, when these principals start getting old and phoning it in. <laughs> and he, like, holds up his clearly bloodied knuckles and says the principal totally bought that this was from compulsively washing my hands. <laughs> oh, yikes. And then uh, Reese, like, turns to Stevie and just mouths the word Friday to him and walks away. <laughs> 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 then Malcolm starts uh, telling Stevie about the beating Reese gave uh, some kid named Scotty, saying that he hit him so hard he was lifting off the ground into the air, and there was blood everywhere. I mean, there's always blood, but this guy was like a sprinkler. <laughs> <laughs> I love his mime reaction too, like. Ch -ch -ch -ch. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <It was great. laughs> and Stevie is understandably looking more and more horrified by this description. <laughs> and uh, that's where my opening line comes from as Stevie asks Malcolm first uh, if his personality is abrasive. 
Then when Malcolm asks what he means, he said he asks, uh, "Am I needlessly antagonistic?" <laughs> and Malcolm answers saying, "Probably, <laughs> but why do you care?" <laughs> oh. And Stevie says that he doesn't want anyone to hate him. And Malcolm says that uh, it must be a girl. And that he uh, assumes that it's a girl he caught Stevie checking out. And Malcolm makes some, like, gross comments about this girl. And Stevie calls him a jerk and, like, starts to wheel away. And uh, Malcolm, like, stops him and uh, asks him to, you know, finish the game, uh, sort of apologizing. And Stevie tells him that he can't because they're starting this uh, experimental treatment today. And uh, he, like, starts to leave, and Malcolm stops him and says, Wait, that's one good thing about your personality. That you're always appeasing your dad when he's hopeful about these things, making it so you can walk again. Even though you know that you're going to go your entire life <laughs> in a wheelchair, and you'll go to your grave unable to walk. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> Stevie just like shakes his head at him and Malcolm says, there, is that better? <laughs> oh, Malcolm, nothing you're near is better. <laughs> then uh, the phone call that I've already mentioned and the other two plot lines is answered by Malcolm and it is Abe uh, calling to ask where Reese is. And Malcolm says, oh, he's probably out beating the snot out of some kid. <laughs> and Abe says, that kid is Stevie. <laughs> that they were in the middle of uh, th this uh, research uh, at the Institute, and Stevie left saying he had to fight Reese. <laughs> and when he hears this, Malcolm, like, rushes off before Abe can finish telling him why he's so worried. <laughs> And Malcolm finds Reese out in the garage where he has his lower body in an ice bath. <laughs> and Malcolm asks, what are you doing? And Reese explains that he's been numbing his legs for hours now to make it a fair fight with Stevie. And to show this, he takes a screwdriver and stabs his own leg. Saying, see, nothing. The first three times I did that, it hurt like hell. <laughs> oh, Reese. Uh, it just, it made me think of Talladega Nights. For sure. <laughs> Don't you stick that knife in your leg, Reese. <laughs> when, uh... Malcolm uh, calls Reese insane, which uh, leads leads to a line that uh, Eric's already mentioned and that I'm sure will be coming up in awards as well. <laughs> then we see Reese preparing for his fight as he has gotten out of the ice bath and is doing like push-ups but only with the top half of his body as his uh, legs are like completely numb just like laying behind him. And he tells Malcolm that he thinks losing the use of it, the lower half of his body has made the upper half of his body stronger. Like how blind guys have big noses. <laughs> uh, <Reese>. uh. <laughs> wow. So wrong. <laughs> Listen, he doesn't understand how senses work. 
<laughs> he doesn't understand how most things work. <laughs> That's true. And uh, trying to get him to stop, Malcolm says, uh, you know, what are you doing? Stevie is our friend. And Reese says, no, he's your friend. And he says that, uh, you know, Stevie has always treated him like crap, and Malcolm lets him. And Malcolm asks if Reese is jealous of Stevie. And Reese says no, and then explains that he's just angry. That he's always going to be friends with Stevie, but once he goes off to college, he's never going to see them again. Yet he still spends all of his time with... And then realizing that he's just describing jealousy, he resumes doing push-ups. <laughs> and Malcolm uh, asks Reese if he has to say that he loves him. <laughs> and when Reese says no, Malcolm, like, leans down and says, that's good. And he, like, explains that, you know, they will always be brothers. And that means they will always be forced to be around each other. At holidays and birthdays, that their family... So there'll always be situations where they'll have to see each other. <laughs> what a what a great way to put it. <laughs> I feel like that's how most of my family feels. I mean, to be fair, that is kind of what family is. <laughs> yeah, he's not wrong. He's not that far off, honestly. And this does comfort Reese. And they have like a nice little heart-to-heart -heart moment. But then... <laughs> They hear mechanical whirring and, like, metallic stomping in the distance. <laughs> and Reese asks Malcolm, uh, what is that sound? And Malcolm says, I don't know. And then the garage door <laughs> is kicked in by Stevie, who is wearing, like, a metallic exoskeleton. <laughs> <laughs> that he is controlling with his tongue. Yes. <laughs> Which is hilarious. And using this rig, he, like, walks into the garage and tells Reese, Your ass is mine. <laughs> <laughs> and Reese starts screaming and trying to crawl away, telling him, uh, I can't walk. Uh, don't do this. Uh, you're a bigger person than me. <laughs> yeah, don't fall to my level. Uh... And uh, Stevie mercilessly walks over, like, grabs Reese by his hair and, like, holds his face up and starts punching with, like, a pneumatic punch that, like, gets faster as he's punching him. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... The episode ends with Malcolm at the kitchen table sort of telling the audience how everything wrapped up, saying that Stevie was kicked out of this experimental program because of what he did for unauthorized use of their equipment, and that uh, Reese is expected to make a recovery, but he has to stay in bed until he stops seeing four of everything. God... <laughs> That, uh, the, the stuff with Hal that I already mentioned happens of him, like, throwing away all of his stashes of cigarettes, and, uh, Malcolm says that he's the only one who got out of everything scot-free, and Lois walks in and tells Malcolm he needs to go empty Reese's bedpan. And Malcolm turns to camera one last time and says, what? He's my brother. So, I don't know if you guys saw on the wiki about this episode, there was apparently extended or alternate versions of, like, the what the fight scene and what the ending was going to be. 
I did take note. So, like I said, uh, during the talk about Malcolm leaving the family, Reese admits that he has no friends and that he sees Malcolm as his best friend and doesn't want them to grow apart. And then when Stevie attacks Reese, Malcolm tries to intervene with Abe's help, going in front of Stevie, saying that Stevie should beat him up instead because even though Reese is stupid, he is Malcolm's brother. Malcolm explains that Reese tried to make the fight fair by numbing the lower half of his body and that Stevie's not fighting fair now by using the exoskeleton. And But because Malcolm is mobile, he should be the one to bear the brunt of Stevie's punches. Stevie refuses and beats up Reese anyway. It takes Abe to get Stevie <laughs> to stop by asking them to think about the consequences when the Norbet Institute finds out about the unauthorized equipment use, which actually does kind of track. And then at the end... The final scene, Malcolm explained that Stevie was kicked out and that Abe was facing a lawsuit by Norvet because of the unauthorized use and endangerment of life. Lois let Dewey off the hook for drinking coffee and she was angry at Hal uh, with all the stuff that we did see. Uh, and then after being told to change Reese's bedpan, Malcolm says he doesn't mind caring for Reese since he got what he deserved for picking a fight with Stevie in the first place, implying that Lois had punished Reese for what he did to Stevie and that the medical bills that he incurred and whatnot. So little additional stuff there hmm. fair I, I i will say though we have run into uh stuff in the past specifically with the wiki of like not apparently like... a lot of people put like baseless speculation uh, so that could be there. in that exact section so it is hard to say how much of that is like like the, that that some of that like very well could be true but uh that that is always stuff that needs to be taken with a grain of salt <laughs> fair enough yes fair because enough. the tar uh the my brain just froze. <laughs> I have way too many. I have way too many tabs open on my fucking browser right now. And I looked up and I just read the first like tab up the top, uh, which is a thing from last night when we were playing Tarkov, which is not what I was trying to say at fucking all. The uh, the fucking Malcolm in the Middle wiki has had like some awesome insights, but like Jake said, we have found stuff that's just glaringly like not possibly true yeah. and that could be the case here i just thought you know it's, it was some nice additional insight if it is factual so. yeah oh if it's factual uh, that's awesome it, it is yeah no it, it is uh definitely interesting ideas and it, it has always felt to me despite not being in the episode at all that like stevie would be very okay with like losing this potential like experimental fade for in exchange for having kicked reese's ass <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So, like, that part and the, like, Malcolm making an appeal and then Stevie just kicking Reese's ass anyway feels very on-brand for this episode to me. But, uh, yeah, that, uh, that wraps this episode up. So let's go to our awards. I'm not doing it. Yeah! <laughs> awards! And as usual, we will start with our Roller Skating Keen Award, our award for the best visual moment. What did you have for this one, Eric? <laughs> it was the the instant uh, of Stevie wearing the suit with his leg reared back, like, <laughs> in that incredible, uh, just physics-breaking pose of it having just kicked down the, the garage door. It was, it's such a... Such a great visual moment. <laughs> yeah, uh, what did you have, David? Uh, I figured that Eric was going to take that because that scene is phenomenal. So I actually went with um, Hal in the shadows, <laughs> like appearing behind Dewey, because I thought that was phenomenal. The whole, just like him popping up behind Dewey as he <laughs> lights it, and then the gurgling of the coffee pot. I just, I 
thought that was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, and I love the way that it's it's because it's definitely it's that like stereotypical sort of horror film esque thing. Totally. Um, but used in in this way for comedy, and it's so good. I loved it. Yeah, uh, those were my two backups, but my first choice uh, also comes from the Stevie Reese fight, <laughs> and it is Stevie's, like, super, like, robotic punching of Reese. It's just such, like, an unnatural human movement, and, like, the speeding up it does is, like, so mechanical and robotic mm-hmm. and looks so good and is so funny. <laughs> I, dude, I could not help but sit there and think, like, I was trying to figure out, like, did he actually manually speed up or did they speed up the tape to make it, like, gradually to make it look like it was going faster? And I I couldn't Uh, tell. I I think it's both. I think it starts with him just, like, speeding up, but then, yeah, definitely, like, there's definitely an effect as it's speeding up. Right, Towards the end, where they, like, yeah, very clearly just, like, speed the tape up. I would think so, because he would have to be going, like, super fast. I don't know that he would be able to do that over the course of multiple takes. It felt like it was a a camera trick or something with editing. Yeah, that, that is also how it felt to me. I'm sure they speed it up at the at the end of it for sure, but like, yeah, I was just wondering if they did the whole thing, because if so, that's some great editing. Mm-hmm. Fair, but yeah, all all of the Stevie and the the suit stuff at the end is done so fucking well. <laughs> I love so it funny. so much. <laughs> it's such a just dumb, goofy, awesome thing. I I love it so much. Then uh, moving on to our next award, what did you have for your Hot Dog with Mustard Award? Your award for the best line. Yeah, you weren't wrong. This is, I hope you guys did bring backups. This is the benefit of going first because, uh, (laughs) Jake, you mentioned that it probably uh, wouldn't be the last time we were hearing it. It is Reese's, they thought Einstein was crazy until he started kicking ass. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, no, I knew you were gonna take that one. It's so good. It is. It's it, great. It's such a good one. <laughs> what did you have, David? Uh, well, originally I actually had Eric's opening line. Uh, Sorry. The I blame society is so. That funny. was also on my list. <laughs> uh, that was my first one, but so since I can't take that, um, I'm gonna go with my backup of that's just puberty. You know, when a boy's lungs drop. <laughs> Yep. That was also in my list. <laughs> it's just such a funny, funny thing. And I love that Lois just like kind of goes along with it. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I had six down, but between uh, your guys' awards and opening lines, I'll go with the only one that hasn't been used, which is... <laughs> The Dewey line after he uh, takes his sip of coffee, like mocking Hal, and uh, he says, Ah, the smooth, wonderful taste of betrayal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That is a priceless one. Very nice. Uh, I love it. (laughs) Then moving along to our next award. Uh, which of these plot lines did you give the A plot of your heart? I went with the Hal and Dewey support betrayal plot line. I think the the whole bit about him smoking and all the, the stuff that goes with it, you know, uh, significantly cut back to under two packs a day. I just think that I just find that so hilarious. That is fair. I had to go with obviously the robot fight. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you not? Uh, 
Dude, the Stevie plotline's so good. I, I do, like, I think, I don't know. I, I think as a plotline as a whole, I think the Hal Dewey exchange is better. But I think the payoff moments of the Stevie Reese plotline are just so That's fair. out there and, and, and far above expectations that I, I had to I had to go with it. Yeah, I, I also uh, went with the Stevie plotline. Uh, this this, this is gonna be the start of like a chunk of me giving Stevie awards. <laughs> because, <laughs> as I have said before, Stevie is my favorite character, and this is my favorite Stevie episode. So <laughs> fair. But yeah, that 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 ending is just maybe my like all time favorite scene in all of Malcolm in the Middle. I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's fair. It's very funny. <laughs> and uh, who do you have for your top skate dog, your favorite character? I mean, everyone was great in the episode. I mean, even Jamie gets his first line on the show, but I'm going with Dewey as my favorite for the whole the smoking plotline thing. I think he, he just, it was great. Okay. Uh, who did you have, David? Uh, I went with Stevie, obviously. Like, it, dude, it. it if nothing else, I probably would have gone with him just for his reaction to his smart ass reaction to to Reese with the I blame society. <laughs> yeah, but and then the the fight at the end is just so good. I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's, Stevie through this whole episode is just fantastic. Easy choice for me. Clearly, Stevie. And who did you have? Who did you give? Your Cloris Leachman Award, your award for the best acting. I'm sticking with the theme here, obviously. <laughs> I went with Eric Persalvo as Dewey. I mean, he was phenomenal playing someone who was constantly fiending for a smoke. And uh, we talked about it as we went in, in, over the breakdown. But the subtlety of the scene where he pulls out that massive brick of gum out of his face and he wipes his brow in a relief. It's just so good because I'm assuming uh, him as a child actor didn't actually smoke or have any kind of comprehension of what smoking was like but he plays off like someone that is addicted so well i mean it was just top-notch acting okay uh who did you give your award i actually have to agree with eric on this one eric per sullivan did phenomenally uh and for all of the points that eric listed that and and then the uh you know the the realization moment was so good and and his reaction to that he had been betrayed by Hal and then his immediate like launching into firing back was just it was so well done and all the things that Eric mentioned but then combined with that smug look like he really captured his inner Jake <laughs> in that moment where he's taking that first sip of coffee. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, David. Uh-huh. As Jake <laughs> smugly sips coffee. <laughs> if only just for that moment it was a visual podcast. <laughs> right. Dude, I, I legitimately, like, it, I want to write, like, I'm smug or something on the bottom of all of Jake's fucking <laughs> coffee cups. <laughs> the only problem is, is that my mother-in-law and my wife also sometimes use those coffee mugs, and then, then I'd feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, Eric Per Sullivan did do a great job in this episode. I can definitely see that. But uh, I also stuck with my theme, and I went with uh, Craig Lamar trailer That's for fair. this award. He, I, even before that last scene where he does have just, like, really good physical comedy through that, uh, like, he does a very good job of, like, having, like, very few lines 
and still doing a very good job of conveying a lot of emotion uh, through, like, that scene where Malcolm is describing the ass-kicking Reese gave this other guy and just, like, his his smugness at the start of the episode for Reese. Like, all of that stuff is just conveyed so well with really only, like, a handful of lines for, like, such a central character. It's, like, all physical stuff that he just does so well. Yeah. I can get on board with that, for sure. Yeah, it's it's a great episode for Stevie. Um, and I won't say that he's bad. I just... It's just such a... Yeah, the, the, the Hal Dewey stuff in this episode is also very good. Like, if it was any other episode, I could very easily see it being, like, my favorite plot line and characters from the episode, but right. the Stevie stuff is just too good. <laughs> Fair enough. Then, moving on, who did you choose for your Mrs. Dabney Award, your award for the worst parent? I mean, we all have the same one, right? Oh, do we? <laughs> I, uh, I went with Hal. I think it's pretty blatantly obviously hell i mean it's revealed that she's given the boys free passes which all seem to be pretty involved like dewey's is actually the tamest of them if you can believe it because he and then he keeps paperwork on all these scenarios and like judging by how forgetful he is with locations of the cigarettes and also that naked photo of lois from chad's sleepover episode that doesn't really bode well for him keeping paperwork around uh in keeping it from Lois long-term. So, yeah, I, I think it's hell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, it's definitely hell. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's hell all the way. I mean, an argument, I guess, could be made for Ida, because even though she doesn't feature it in the episode, she was obviously the impetus for Lois, you know, that was kind of what kept her, like, anxious and True. Uh, gave her all that anxiety her entire life, <laughs> leading to this point that she just now has the epiphany about, like, 30 years later. So, I mean, you could say Ida. I guess you could really make a stretch, too, that Lois was pretty bad because she's locked Jamie in a room with her just to, like, you know, use her as her, like, sounding, use him as her sounding board. So, I mean, not great either, but, I mean, I, yeah, it's Hal for the other stuff. Yeah, yeah that, that is fair. I, I do think it's saying something, though, that I do think Ida would be a legitimate choice despite only getting one second hand line from her in this episode. <laughs> Uh, listen when you're a legend you're a legend (laughs) fair enough (laughs) okay well moving on what did you give your okay boomer award your award for the moment or detail that sets this episode firmly within its time of release i'm sticking with the the same theme here again it's a easy one for me and benefit of going first it's the fact that they actually showed someone smoking on tv not like just holding it and alluding to it they actually showed how like taking drags like you can't get away with that now so that's what i went with taking mine (laughs) (laughs) sorry yep that was also on my list what are you going with david (laughs) i don't want to repeat the board game one so I don't have much left. Uh, I guess. Oh, yeah, I do. Uh, you know, what? I'm actually I'm going with the uh, murder mystery book on tape. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Because it's not a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Listen, let seven more years go by and you'll be listening to some really Bad at research, young lady who's out to make a name for herself, tell you all the facts wrong. <laughs> Sorry to all the true crime podcast listeners out there, but uh, 
the information you're getting is probably bad. Uh, I, I did also have that one, so I, I will go with my third choice, uh, which is uh, the language that Reese uses, talking about disabilities, he uh, pretty consistently throughout the episode uses the words cripple and gimp. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but both of which are uh, pretty frowned upon now and would not be used in a show now. Uh, unless it's like specifically trying to make the uh, person using them seem like an even bigger asshole than they're trying to make Reese in this mm-hmm. episode. Yeah. Then uh, that just leaves shittiest and least shitty kid. Uh, who did you have as your least shitty kid, Eric? <laughs> I went with Dewey. I mean, he, he's obviously an idiot for starting smoking in the first place. But I mean, kids are curious. It's not really his fault for finding the cigarettes and being curious and getting addicted. And But I mean, he was pretty gruff with Hal and with others he had to deal with through the episode. But that's an adolescent dealing with nicotine withdrawals, and uh, I can't even imagine. So um, I actually went with Dewey. Okay, who did you have, David? Uh, I went with Jamie. He told his mom to shut up. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, and he should have a lot earlier. It is wow. not fair for parents to trauma dump on their children <laughs> like that and to utilize their kids as their therapists and best friends. That ends up fucking them up worse. Sorry, I've seen the results of it hundreds of thousands of times. <laughs> Stop it. It almost made me give Lois the word, but like Hal actually did like physical damage. Uh, poor Jamie. Uh, he's going to have a complex. But uh, <laughs> but no, he Jamie was a good kid. He was sweet. He was innocent. And even though he could have said shut up far before any of that, <laughs> he was trying to be there for his mom and be a good kid. Also, the other thing that convinced me to give it to him was because when she was crying, he actively knocked the the tissues down and and gave them to her. He did do that. And, uh, yeah, and it was, you know, being sweet. Anyway, sorry. Uh, I mean, see, see, he he had two actions that disqualified him from both awards for me. Okay. The the shut up disqualifies him for least shitty kid for me. If it wasn't for the uh, tissue thing, I would have given him shittiest kid for it. (laughs) Really? Yep. Over the comments the others made. Shut up after trauma yep. dumping. Oh. Look, I, I told you I'm gonna I'm gonna be on the watch out for how I was treating Lois after that uh first episode when he was so judgy. <laughs> and it's disrespectful to Lois, David. Yeah. He's not wrong. <laughs> that's not no, that's called setting healthy boundaries and more children need to learn. No, 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 no. Not oh. no. Not when you say shut up. That that's different. That's not true. That, you can definitely use shut up to set healthy boundaries. If you, if Malcolm would have told Lois to shut up at any point in time, you would have been blasting him with shittiest kid. There's it's, a big absolutely. difference. There's a huge difference between someone of Malcolm's age and knowledge and someone of Jamie's. It's massively different. This is these are literally his first words that he's ever uttered, and it's shut up to Lois. Yeah, <laughs> and. Given what we know about Francis, that this is you know clearly indicating he's on the same path as Francis as well. So, so oh please, if you're known serial oh, killer please. Jamie, let's <laughs> not get carried away. <laughs> I mean, he's stealing stashes out of people's houses. Like, uh, he's already—it's a slippery slope. <laughs> okay, I've oh, consulted some psychics great. laying in some baths, and they like sent out the wrong color marble. So, I mean, he's. I'm ready to convict him for those future crimes he's gonna do. Oh my Christ! I, oh my, I hate all of you right now. 
<laughs> I'm going to leave the show again. <laughs> I also went with Dewey for least shitty kid for the episode. For pretty much all the, all the reasons already. And moving on to shittiest kid. Who did you have for this one? We've got two strong contenders. I mean, for me, it's Reese uh, because he did pick the fight with Stevie in the first place. Plus, Jake, you alluded to the, you know, poor choice of language that he used. I mean, plus he was beating up other random kids along the way. And then with the montage thing, I assumed that it was, you know, animal abuse that he had on some skates so like i held that against him too i i really wish that i could give it to stevie though because this is i mean you you asked the reason i i think this is more like stevie to me this is more like a, a character assassination from the, the writers in this one because stevie is normally like a, a likable sympathetic sweet character and in this one they make him just as much of a, a shit bag as the boys. And I mean, while that's normally cool that he kind of gets to experience that, and this one, especially that stuff at the end where it's just like, he know full well that that wasn't a fair fight. I, I really, I dislike the, the, the real, the smug look, that, that just that look on his face, that smug ass look on his face when he blasts Reese in the, in the eyeball with the inhaler. And then he's just like, hmm. You're not gonna hit me. It's like, oh, this. So this is like that one episode where, well, like, uh, Reese goes to the army that I talk about. That it's just like, as much as I like Dewey, and as much as like, there's episodes like this where like Dewey was my favorite character, and this is like my favorite Dewey episode. There's that one episode where I fucking hate Dewey. This is the episode where it's like, <laughs> oh, I can't hate, I can't stand Stevie in this fucking episode. That <laughs> smug ass look, and then the end where he's just beating the shit out of Reese, even though he's like, you know, cowering. He's exactly in the same position that that Stevie is normally in. Oh, I fucking hate Stevie in this one. So, I mean, we we've established how much of a, a shitbag Reese is. And like, despite his initial motivations being super questionable, like even he of the low morality was going to try to make the, the, make it a fair fight. And then Stevie under no circumstances would it have been close to equal if Reese hadn't numbed his body. So him beating defenseless Reese feels more like that character assassination I'm talking about than, a, you know, against Stevie himself, but it was the character that perpetuated it. So Stevie gigantic asshole in this one, and yeah, I wow. <laughs> but still, I mean, Reese is the shittiest. Morally, I I agree with you on Stevie, but all of that stuff is exactly why this is my favorite Stevie episode. Because I I think this is this is us seeing Stevie at like his his truest form. I think Stevie has always been this much of an asshole. And I think we've seen that throughout the show with like the uh episode with like the uh like stupid uh like punching game he does with Reese. Like and, and Reese like refers to it like Stevie always hits me and treats me like shit. Stevie is absolutely always an asshole. He is as much a piece of shit as Malcolm is. <laughs> and that's part of why I love him. <laughs> <laughs> I always just like a, not feeling bad for him because of his condition, but feeling bad for him just because of like all the circumstances that have happened. Like not only his condition, but then also like his his mom running out on him, Abe not being you know not being really a father, trying to be more like a friend figure. It's just he's had a lot of bad breaks in his life, and so it is nice to see when he is able to do something like quote unquote normal but then it's like this is just a bridge too far like reese obviously was 
in a very uh, like vulnerable position, and Stevie just takes advantage. And I just, I, I, I can't, I can't stand it. <laughs> I, I, what? <laughs> uh, listen, I disagree with both of you here. Like, I'm sorry, but bullies, like, no. Uh, how are we hating on the kid who who literally couldn't defend himself, who gets ostracized and beaten and and literally terrorized for fi having the ability to stand up for himself and literally giving Reese exactly what in any other circumstance we would all agree he deserves. Like this is, this oh, no. is... I, I also agree that Reese deserves to have his ass kicked here. Okay. Two things can be true. Multiple people <laughs> can be the asshole in this situation. I, I did vote I Reese mean... the shittiest. He was the Fair. one that picked like that he shouldn't have picked the fight with Stevie in the first place. He never should have like thrown the papers off. He never should have threatened to hit him. But then uh, what I'm saying is like obviously he's in the most vulnerable position of anybody, even more so than Stevie normally. And Stevie's just like, fuck it, I'm gonna go to town on him. It's like, yeah, Reese is a bully that deserves to get his ass kicked, but in that specific circumstance. He's like pleading for his life. Like oh, like when, when Reese threatened to hit Stevie, he's like smug, like you're not going to do it. Reese is like begging, don't like kill me. Like, oh, I, I'm like numb from the waist down. I can't even get away. And Stevie's just like, screw it. I got this exoskeleton. And in what way is that a fair fight in the first place? Even if he was able to just- Who cares about a fair fight? <laughs> if you're in a fair fight, your tactics suck. <laughs> fair fights don't exist. I don't know. Fair now, fights also uh, We've seen Reese and plenty of unfair fights on his side. I mean, they did tell, they taught Craig how to fight dirty. I mean, it's kind of what they do. So it's like, I realize that I sound like a lunatic here. I always sound like a lunatic when I'm talking about Francis. I'm fine with taking the L. I'm just saying like, in this one, I fucking hate Stevie in this episode. I just, he's a complete dickbag. There is no such thing as a fair fight. Fighting dirty is how you fight. <laughs> Like that's there's no such thing as a clean fight except for in a ring that has professionals. Even then, and even then, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even then, you get like you know the Dana Whites of the world. But anyways, uh, uh, <laughs> a weird place to go. I immediately went Mike Tyson. But... Uh, I was trying to remember his name, but I almost said Michael Jackson, so I had to pivot real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, famous dirty boxer Michael Jackson. Have you seen the bad video? He was he was like throwing some switchblades around there. He was a, a fucked up fighter too. So yeah, always putting Tiger Balm on on his gloves before the fights. <laughs> fucked up stuff. Right? Yeah. Uh, anyway. On his one glove, he would f famously fight with a one glove. That's right. One handed boxer. No. Anyways, I was not trying to say his name. I just I'm very tired. There's a whole reason I took tomorrow off. I am sleeping in tomorrow. <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, no, I, I, no, 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 no. And now while I, I know I'm going to get some flack for this, but I knew you two where you were going to go. And I have to punish this, my choice for his fucking just absolutely shit behavior that I hate so much. And it's Malcolm. Malcolm is my shittiest kid because of, if nothing else, his comments about the the girl who he's assuming uh, Stevie has a crush on, like, that's such a dickhead move. And ah, I hate it so much. And then on top of it, everything else that Malcolm does until the end. And, and that's that's what really irritates me is because Malcolm has that, like, sweet moment but it's just not enough to 
sway me away from his previous shitty behavior. Uh, no, I'm actually right there with you, David. I also have Malcolm as shittiest kid for this episode. Uh, I, I mean, he he does he does he doesn't use it as often as Reese, but he does like use the the word cripple to refer to Stevie in this as well. Uh, and as you said, like he has those super like gross comments about the girl that he thinks Stevie likes. Mm-hmm. Like he's kind of a shitty friend to Stevie throughout this episode. Kind of? Uh, I yeah, fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I mean, like e- even like that moment he has with reese i i do think is kind of undercut by like his inability to like show any real emotion with his own brother yep. like I, I think malcolm is pretty consistently shitty throughout this episode even more so than reese who like yes is shitty yes it's shitty that he's like starting this fight with stevie but he does try to like even the odds somewhat he does have his own fucked up very stupid wrong (laughs) sense of honor but it is still a sense of honor at least and like we do get that moment with malcolm that i think like spells out the like deep-seated issues that he has that are causing this and he's like prepared to back out of the fight it seems like before stevie shows up and kicks his ass (laughs) yeah no i you you won't get any argument from me either one of you guys because I, i mean malcolm was right there for me like i definitely weighed all those things too and it was like kind of what even though you're right he is like emotionally stunted and like you know not willing to to really reveal any kind of love for his brother he's like oh do i have to tell you i love you like as if that would be some like massively horrible thing to do but it it was at least enough of a kind moment to kind of like even the bar a little bit maybe it's like yeah this the, the comments he made about lisa fillmore were absolutely disgusting he was a complete dick to stevie he always is but then again like i said stevie was just equally bad in this fucking episode too so it's like uh yeah it, it was reese but i mean i could definitely see why you guys went with malcolm for sure yeah i do think they're both strong candidates and i do think to your to your point eric if stevie was eligible i think he also should have been considered for shittiest kids i I don't think i would have given it to him but i do think i would have considered him who watches the watchman (laughs) who beats up the bullies it's fine okay well that wraps up our awards but we have a couple of segments left beginning with wtf are you sure are you sure (laughs) jake you said that wrong it's WTF. F. You have to add the pause. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but also, when Eric's around, this is also kind of the WTF E. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, Eric? <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. But You're not uh, wrong. Eric. I'll admit it myself. <laughs> reluctantly ask. This week, where the fuck's Francis? Well, Jake. Well, David. Francis continues mentoring the Buseys while trying to expand the lanyard business. It's now grown to include neighborhood children who Francis finds are a little bit more defiant and not as easily coerced. Many of them think that he's a loser and tell him as much. So he's continually on the hunt for something that will prove his worth, not only to those kids, but also to himself, that he's accomplished something and he won't stop until he has it. And that is foreshadowing and i won't say anything more okay (laughs) (laughs) yes i hate (laughs) all right well let's move along to the cranston connection 
uh, as we have determined that in some form or fashion, Brian Cranston uh, is uh, all of the characters that he has ever played are the same character. <laughs> as we alluded to earlier in the episode, referring to him as a time-traveling wizard. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, David, what is this week's Cranston connection? Well, obviously here we see Hal's addictive personality on full display. However, it's it's not about the substance use. It's actually about his competitive uh, nature that we've, we've seen rear its ugly head, and that's really what's uh, at play here, as well as this sort of incessant need for power and control that continues to plague him throughout the rest of his life. And and we see that on full display here. And part of the reason why uh, Hal is actually addicted to the, the cigarettes and the smoking has very little to do with the actual sensation of smoking and more to do with, I think, getting one over on Lois. This is where we start to see more of the old bad habits starting to come in, which I think is what breaks down the Wilkerson family relationship is Hal is starting to uh, let that need for power and control sort of start to drive him. And I think he's going to be uh, in a position where he's not able to be controlled by Lois and the relationship that they have established will break down. And that's what causes him to assume his next uh, altar and begin living his next life following uh, leaving the family over this sort of conflict of not being able to stay away from things like cigarettes and other promises that he's made to Lois. Okay. Bleak. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> next you're going to tell us he's going to get some kind of like terminal illness or something. Jeez. <laughs> wow. He'll probably fake having a terminal illness. He does that a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that just leaves David's guessing game, which you did uh, fairly well this week. Uh, you uh, were correct in predicting that it would like start with Reese's typical bullying of Stevie and that things would escalate because Stevie... Uh, sort of, like, stands up to it and is, uh, like, retaliating against Reese, uh, which is what happens. Uh, but you were incorrect in that you thought that, uh, things would turn out poorly for Reese because Stevie, like, outsmarts him and uses his brain to defeat Reese. <laughs> I did think that, yeah. <laughs> Which I didn't instead... think robot exoskeleton <laughs> yes. suit was on the table. <laughs> That's such an obvious ending, David. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, I do love, can we, we just pause for a second listening, you know, to this. Think about what I just said. I didn't think robot exoskeleton was on the tape. When we talk about this show is getting goofier, <laughs> this is what we mean, and I love it. For sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you were also correct in uh, your prediction that we would still not see France at this season. Uh, so, with all of that, I gave you an 84%. So you, you, you got all the broad strokes, but uh, you really missed that uh, very obvious robot exoskeleton. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so obvious. <laughs> you might as well just start guessing that for every single episode now, because <laughs> right, yeah. someone's going to show up. And then there's up. a robot. Yeah. 
<laughs> and that's when the death lasers come in. Uh, orbital bombardment. Oh, damn it. I thought you hadn't seen the season finale. Yeah, what the <laughs> hell? <you> so much. <laughs> yeah, it's how the show ends. Uh, everyone dies. <laughs> this giant death laser kills everyone. It's crazy. Haven't you noticed, <laughs> like, crazy. how Jake and I have been so skeptical about how they would do some reboot? Because they're all dead. So it's like, how would they do yeah. that? Uh, well, I mean, it's fine. You just get J.J. Abrams. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, it's the afterlife. He'll explain it away. It'll be about the numbers. There's some smoke That's monster fine. and... <laughs> Have you, have you ever seen, uh, uh, I can't remember the name, but something Todd Margaret. Todd Margaret is the character. It's, uh, uh, I can't remember the actor's name now. But uh, it fully does the, like, in the second season, the world ends, and then there's a third season that just, like, doesn't acknowledge that. It's just, like, a completely <laughs> different scenario. What? I think it's, like, the, the increasingly poor choices of Todd Margaret or something like that. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that one. But that's awesome. But... Let's uh, wrap this up with your guess for next week. David, what happens in Halloween? Ooh, Halloween. Uh, well, I think we're going to see Francis. Okay. Because it would be a damn shame if Halloween comes around again and it's not a Francis episode. Considering what they did in, uh, what's the title? Not quite Halloween? Halloween approximately. Halloween approximately. There it is. Yeah, yeah. So I think that we're going to get an actual trick-or-treating episode this time, since it's very clearly like it's Halloween proper, which I think Francis will be involved in this episode in some way. And then obviously I think we're going to get some sort of like maybe prank war with the boys that starts to like escalate out of control as they're uh, trick-or-treating and going about doing their thing. I mean, Halloween is a really good time for a robot to show up. <laughs> no, I mean, there might be a, hal- a robot costume, but I don't think anyone's going to be a robot this time. Uh, locking in robot costume? No, I'm not <laughs> locking in robot costume. Okay, so That's you're locking way in too no specific. robot costume. No, I don't give a this shit is what I'm poorly. locking in. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, listen, it's going to reflect poorly anyways. Anyways... Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot else to say about this that I suspect, really. I and mean, that pretty much covers most of what I think we're going to see. I, who knows what the fun It's the Wilkerson's. <laughs> like, this could be one of the episodes where everything's tied in. It could be an episode where everyone has their own plot line. I don't fucking know. I think the boys will be one. And who knows what the fuck Lois and them are doing. I mean, it is Halloween. What do you think they'd be doing on Halloween? I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Look, normally I would be like, yeah, how are you going to have any context for what's going on with the other plot line? But given that it's a holiday, you do have context. Yeah. I... Shit. <laughs> um, do we get another Lucky 8 episode, maybe? Or are Howard and Lois going to do something? So I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Because, like... I don't know. The way I see it is either we get one where it's, you know, like Lois and Hal and like everyone's kind of separate except for the boys. Or do we get one that's like focusing on, okay, what do the adults do while the kids are out on Halloween? You know what I mean? Except for no, because they'd still have Jamie. So I don't think. Yeah, I think I think it'll be Lois at work and then the boys out doing their trick or treating and prank war and insaneness and. Who knows where the hell that'll go. And I have no fucking clue for how. I, I, no clue. 
Okay. Uh, do you think Jamie will be with the boys then, or do you think he'll be with Hal? No, I think he'll be with Hal. I don't think I. I don't think Lois would lose her mind that much to send Jamie out with the boys. Okay. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> and you said no, Francis, right? And I said you what? Said no, Fra- no, you said Francis was going to be involved, right? No, I said Francis. I think Francis will be in this episode. Yes. And the color of his shoes will be. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I mean, we do. So. <laughs> that's fine. You can care all you want. They're they're going to be shoey shoes, all right? Write write that down, Jake. They're going to be shoey shoes. I don't know. Francis right. will wear shoes. He sure will. <laughs> Shoey shoes, specifically. Shoey shoes. Shoey That's right. Shoes. All that means is that they are a shoe, or shoe-like. I mean, it is Halloween. Not every Halloween costume wears shoey shoes, so I don't know. They're shoe-like. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see. I hate you guys. This is the dumbest <laughs> bit. Can we? God, All right. I hate this. <laughs> And that wraps this episode up. <laughs> you know how hard it is to guess plot lines for an episode that has a one-word title? Yeah, super easy. Shut up. Wrap I it mean, up. look I, how good I we can easily guess, David. I've seen all the episodes. <laughs> exactly. And, I, I hate it. And you. look how good we are at guessing uh, the plot line titles. You know, we're so good at it. We're always so close. So... I mean, we're just as in the dark. Listen, those for as you going are. in blind, I feel like I have done remarkably well with this stupid game. Yeah, that you haven't failed a single season and had to redo it yet, so you're doing good. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you could be like Reese, you know, this is like a, you're technically the senior year, so if you want to... Like, fail that and have to redo it. <laughs> this would be a good time for it. Listen, Malcolm in the Middle for another season? I mean, right. <laughs> Season we seven, don't... part two? <laughs> That's right. If we don't get that, listen, if we don't get that reboot, you know what I'm saying? Like... <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> well, Synchronized size. That's when you know it's been a great episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you know Jake and I are equally as fed up with each other. I think mostly with me, though, honestly. <laughs> You're really debating I mean, this. Uh, you having, are an insane person. Having me back up. <laughs> well, if anyone in the audience isn't fed up with Aaron, <laughs> where can they find more of you? Well, I don't know how you wouldn't be, but yeah, if you want to hear more <laughs> insane ramblings, <laughs> slightly about less about Malcolm in the Middle and more about other weird stuff, including music. And sports, you can find me on File Under Entertainment or The Evil Mark Show for the sports stuff. And as always, thanks and credit to Jacob Newfeld, who does our intro and outro music. And if you would like to get in touch with us, you can reach us by email, where we are lifeisunfairpod at gmail.com, or on Twitter, where we are unfair underscore podcast. And David's missing his mark. Oh, shit. <laughs> Sorry, I just got like four private messages all at once. I was trying to shoot off the responses. Uh, Th- this is this is why you're not a host. David. <laughs> what what do you mean what, responding to P- I, I hate you so much. <laughs> why why would I do the outro? I don't even host this fucking show. And if you would like to find us on Twitch, you can watch us hang out and play games together at LP Death Ray. God, you're so bad at this. <laughs> First of all, that's not the way the spiel goes. If you goes, like Jake. the banter back it and goes. forth. If you, 
There it is. See? And want to join us live, head on over to twitch.tv slash lpdeathray, where we play video games, hang out with each other, and in general, have a good time. And remember, David is horrible. <laughs> and as always, Jake's bad at his job, and life is unfair. <laughs> Are we done? Is it over? You're done when we say you're done. You sit in that, you sit in that <laughs> until we say cut, talent. <laughs> <laughs> and cut. <laughs> <laughs>